Are you happy in your business? Now, I have had my share of emotional ups and downs in my 20 years of being a solo entrepreneur coach. And the patterns I've seen in myself and in my clients is that those downs are usually when I was personally feeling unfulfilled. Sometimes it was because a launch that flopped and sometimes it was just life and had nothing to do with business. But those ups, oh boy, those are the times when I was feeling my most authentic and completely aligned to my purpose or when I just felt like I was rocking that work-life balance. I would be thinking, I could do this all day long and never feel tired. One of my loves is sharing what works for me and what has been working for my clients to achieve this very feeling, full of passion, happiness, peace, and freedom. So I decided to create a private podcast for coaches. Maybe you just want to develop better communication skills that boosts engagement, leads to better results, and makes you feel like you're actually making a difference in the lives of the people you serve. Then you're invited too. We talk about this and more in the UBU private podcast for coaches. Whether you're a mentor, a parent, or run a client-focused business, coaching skills benefit everyone and anyone who wants to communicate in a way that builds relationships. Fall in love with your life and business again. Click the link in the show notes for your invitation to join us right now. Then come back and enjoy this episode. Hey, Difference Maker, welcome back to part two of this bite-sized deep dive into human design. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about all of the things that I have learned about myself and some of the tweaks that I've made in my business because of what I've learned about myself and also what I've learned about personality. I know you're ready to get started. It's time to stop comparing yourself to others and plug in to what is uniquely you. Welcome to Unbox Your Personality, the podcast for coaches, creatives, and educators like you who understand that your happiness makes you more effective at what you do, bringing out the best in others. I'm Jim P. Higgins, personality strategist and Enneagram fluff remover. Get laser focused on who you are and who you aren't, so you're free to make the impact you were born to make. And have fun doing it. Your personality is your business. So let's get down to business. Now, if you've read my book or if you've taken one of my courses, you know my vocabulary around personality spectrum. And that basically means that there are so many personalities that no one person's personality is identical to anyone else's. You are literally so unique. And sometimes that is hard to glean when you're looking at nine Enneagram profiles or you're looking at 16 Myers-Briggs or you're looking at four DISCs. But what human design has validated in that one vocabulary term that I use over and over and over again is that it truly is a spectrum and it all just depends on when you were born and where you were born. And the energy that came together to your exact location and position to form you, not just at the time of your birth, but in the 88 days leading up to your birth. You heard me in part one of this bite-sized deep dive kind of talk about planetary influences. And 
There's no denying that our universe is made up of energy. And the way that energy influences is all dependent on our position, how close we are to the source of that energy, as well as our polar orientation. Think about it like magnets, right? Magnets either pull toward each other or if you got the wrong poles facing each other, they're going to repel. And that's behavior. We can affect the behavior of objects in our environment through the use of magnets. How do you think electricity works? All that to say is that when you factor in all of the positions of the heavens at the time of your birth and when you were growing in the womb, it's like we've all been stamped with an energetic genetic code that's not just from DNA, but also in our environment. Talk about nature versus nurture. Now let's talk a little bit about my profile and what it taught me about my Enneagram type. And I really encourage you to look up your human design and look at your Enneagram type and see how you can make these connections between the two. For example, my type is generator. And you hear my story in the episode with Kristen in episode 18, my whole story about the word generator. <laughs> I mean, it's in my freaking personal mission statement. There was just so much synchronicity in that that I was floored, absolutely floored. I knew this was something that I needed to look deeper into. The second thing she revealed was that I was my quote-unquote fraction six over two, which one website calls the exemplary human and the other website calls the hermit role model. Now, this really spoke to me because my Myers-Briggs is INFJ. And I believe that that's part of the reason why I originally didn't recognize that I was a type 7. I was too introverty to be a type 7. I was paying attention too much to stereotypes and not looking at the core motivations of what it means to be a type 7. So the hermit side of that fraction or that profile really spoke to me about this introvert side. And the way it's described is that the hermit likes to be alone, likes to have alone time, but people will keep calling them out of their shell and keep calling them out. And so that's the ambivert side of things as well. Then you look at the other side, which I think is the six, is the role model. Two things that taught me. So first of all, the role model has three phases in their life. So the first 30 years is all about the struggle. Now, really simplifying this, so I really encourage you to study it some more. The next section is like 20 years between ages 30 and 50. That is the healing stage. And then at 50 on, that is the role model stage where uh, the role model profile will take what they learned from the struggle and then healing from the struggle and then become a role model for others to be able to, to empower them and be a leader. Now, I have never been so excited about turning 50 in my entire life. After reading this, I'm like, it's my time. It's in due time that I am finally healed through my struggle. And to be able to truly live out my purpose as the role model that I've always internally felt pulled to do. And talk about synchronicity. I'm coming up on my 50th year, and I am just so excited about what is in store, not just for me, but also for my business and how I'm finally going to be able to serve the way I'm designed to serve. The other thing that I thought was super interesting as far as my Enneagram type is that for a type seven going on the growth path, 
one of the blind spots for a type 7 is the healthy side of type 1. And that goes for any type. So whatever type you are, the healthy side of your stress number is a blind spot. So in my book, the way I describe that is with my little Lego man, Emmett, if you want to get out of the box, you have to climb out of the box. But when we're inside of it, usually the door is shut. The lid is shut and we can't even see the top of the ladder. And because I am a social instinct seven, then naturally I am going to stick with that social instinct. Every time I jump to a different dynamic or a different type, I'm going to naturally exhibit the behaviors of the social instinct of that type. I'm not sure if that makes sense, but let me go quickly through my growth path so you kind of see what I'm talking about. So a seven goes to a type five. So I'm a social seven. So we're going to tend to go to a social type five. The key word for a social type five is totem. And so this is a type five of the community that's a little bit more of a leader. And then from there, it goes to a type eight. I would grow to a type eight. And the social type eight, the key word is solidarity. And so I'm more likely to kind of get my hands dirty and, and go work in the field and Find ways to lead or challenge the environment or the people by actually being in the field. And then the type eight, the type eight grows to the type two. And the social type two, they, that keyword is ambition. And if you've been following me for any amount of time, you know I've got ambition. <laughs> so the social type two does bring that little bit of competitiveness, very goal oriented, very direct but also value relationships and the emotions of other people who are involved. And then the type two grows to the type four. Now this, the key word for the social type four is shame. And I think this is really interesting because as a type seven, I never really felt shame. I always called it regret, but I never really felt shame. And I think part of my growth path is to really get in touch with that emotion of shame. Now that feels really yucky to me right now. And that could be where I'm stuck. And I'm not saying that I need to feel ashamed. I'm saying that I need to look in places where I have felt shame in my life and get neutral to those moments instead of reframing it as regret. And then the type four finally grows to that type one. And the keyword for the social type one is, guess what? Role models. You may have even heard the term non-adaptable for the social type one. But the strategy is to be a very, very consistent role model for someone to follow. I've kind of gone long on this bite-sized deep dive, so I'm gonna save the rest of my story for part three, where I'm gonna be talking about when to use human design and when to use the Enneagram. So stay tuned for the next bite-sized deep dive. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and reviewing the Unbox Your Personality podcast. To learn more about yourself, go to powercoachgen.com. Find out how you are different so you can make your difference.